season is all but over, but what lessons were learnt? Hello FPL Surgery listeners, on the pod this week we talk about lessons we have learnt from the 2019-2020 FPL season, reflecting back on the luck aspect, on player and team value, the volume of information, what planning we do, and much much more. Uh, Then we take a different version of the Iceman's quiz, where there will be a prize for the winner guys. Okay, Welcome back listeners to the 170th episode of the FPL Surgery podcast. On this podcast we have two great guests to join Stefan and I in discussing the lessons learned from the season so far. Are you looking forward to this Stefan? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's good to wrap this thing up as I don't think we'll see any more football for a while so good to remind ourselves of the lessons already and so we not forget them. Yes, true. And also it's, it's a good distraction about what's going on as well for me. It's just nice to think about kind of FPL every so often, I think. What do you reckon? Yeah, I agree. It's It's been a while now since the last time, but I think it's good to come back and take another look at the team and think about FPL. I was excited just going through the questions and preparing for this pod. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah. And we've got two great guests, as I mentioned. What may be the final episode of the FPL surgery for the season until we actually find out what's going on and whether football will be back or not. But we have an actor extraordinaire, FPL Hortz, who has four top 20k finishes in FPL with his highest being four. 4091 and we have James Eggerstorf aka Jay Eggerstorf a former FF scout number one before last year he never finished outside the top 14,000 and he has four top 1k finishes with some of his highest being 645 105 and 101st welcome to the podcast guys hello Jim. evening how are we getting on uh, so far Hawks how are you getting on so far this season then uh, this season, I had to remind myself it's been so long. Um, yeah, doing all right, actually. I was sort of primed for a sort of a, a final sort of big push towards the end of the season, which has obviously been derailed by by what's gone on. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, up to 46,000 by the oh, end of it. Yeah, been, been in the top sort of 300,000 since about week six, something like that. So it's been a slow burn. But yeah, just... And of course, the last game that was played was that amazing Leicester game, which gave me my highest game week of the whole season so far, which vaulted me up to 46. And I was poised and ready, but sadly, it looks like we're not going to get any further play by the looks of it. No, it doesn't, does it? Which is a big shame. What about you, Jay? How are you getting on this season? Even though I already know. I was, do- I was doing really, really well. So I was in, in, just inside the top 3,000. And then obviously, uh, everything's come to a sudden halt. So I was perform, yeah, performing well, and I was felt I was on form and you know yeah. confident. And then obviously this, you know, this devastating uh, news happens. So pretty frustrating. But you got to look at the bigger picture, I guess. Yeah, I bet you were kind of looking for that number one spot again. You seem to be doing that nearly every season, apart from last. Yeah, well, it's funny. I mean, I played it that long. I know it sounds a bit mad to actually think this way, but everybody dreams, don't they, of one day actually winning the league at yeah. FPL. And I was thinking to myself, not that, you know, I've, I've got a huge chance, obviously it was small, but you're not going to get many better chances, I think, going in. You're 3,000, it's 10 weeks left, you've still got your wild cards some chips, you know, you, you feel like your squad's decent, you're thinking, yeah, I've got a good shot. And it's obviously a lottery, isn't it, at the end? Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of like 
frustrating. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> fr- it's frustrating for you guys, but it's kind of uh, me and uh, Stefan have kind of enjoyed it <laughs> with our with our positions at the moment. But we won't talk about that, will we, Stefan? No, <laughs> no, we I just wish they will just scratch this season from the season history. Yeah, yeah, scratch yeah, it, just yeah, yeah. Uh, eliminate <laughs> the the finish. Yeah, I'm up for that. Thank you. Yeah, Stefan's yeah. got the right idea. Just yeah. a neat little asterisk. That's yeah, 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 keep exactly. keep that season history going. Yes, season. <laughs> if only. So our Patreon is still suspended, so you can join for free now if you fancy checking out our Slack, etc. But just to sum up the episode, this episode is all about reflection of the FPL 2019-2020 season, talking through the lessons learned and how each of these fine managers who we have on tonight have tackled each topic this season, and it will finish with the Iceman's quiz. Okay, so lessons learned. What is the key thing that you have learned this season? Now, I'll come to each of you on this one, just thinking about the main thing that you've learned, and then we'll discuss kind of other aspects which you've learned throughout. Jay, do you want to start us off, please? What is the key thing that you have learned this season? Well, I think for me, it carries over a bit from last season. So mm. maybe not everybody's aware, but last season was my worst ever one. It was like, I can't remember what it was. It was that bad, I've erased it from my memory, but I don't know, 300,000, something like that, which when you had you know the nice track record I had, that was like pretty devastating. But it coincided with a lot of the um, content I was putting out on YouTube and, and Patreon and Twitter and stuff for the whole of uh, kind of the last two seasons, but largely last season was a, was a big one. And what I learned was a couple of things. It was really impacting, it's basically impacting my p- performance at, at FPL. So there was the quite dark side of it, was, which is what I found. It became quite a mental strain. You know, your mental health is quite affected by spending so much time almost in the firing line, in, mm. the, in, the, in the public eye. And I say that in loose terms, FPL yeah. public eye. Yeah. And at the same time, just being submerged so much in, in FPL, it goes from playing a really nice role in your life which is like this game that you're able to play that distracts you from work and family you know all, all the difficult stuff you have in your life it's a hobby it's something you look forward to doing it kind of takes over and, and I guess by the end in a way I was almost like resenting the, the hobby that I loved yeah so the change I've made is obviously I came I've not come off social media but I've stopped putting out content and I'm still hovering around but I'm not tweeting very much and you know I've still got my eye in but not anywhere near like I was doing I've just gone back to the basics that served me well over all those over all those years so in short the lesson learned for me is that sometimes spending too much time on FPL can really cloud your judgment yeah I totally understand that obviously I do the same uh so I can, I can understand where you're coming from so it's just too much FPL is your kind of lesson learned for this year then yeah yeah i think so yeah Yeah, definitely definitely okay cool i'm sure we'll come back more to that as we go through the pod what about you then horts what well funnily enough it was very very interesting hearing jay say that because obviously uh, you sent us out the questions beforehand and I, i my my sort of summation was things I've learned during the season. And I think it's come to a head over these last four weeks because you realize what you actually miss uh, when, when you don't get to make those weekly decisions, you don't get to see the results. You don't get the, the highs of, well, let's say like that last Leicester game, you know, with Vardy and Barnes banging them in and you don't get the lows either, but, but you just, you've got nothing in it. And it's this big, vast emptiness. And I wrote, I literally wrote down, have fun. That's the big lesson. I think 
to take away from certainly what we've found out over this last month. And, and, and Jay's really just confirmed that we can often take it far too seriously. We can obviously it can quite often ruin our weekends when we have a bad game week. It can it can give us a huge high when we have a good, good game week. But the bottom line is it's a game and it's a game we all love. You know, it's built up a complete Twitter community. It's built up the podcasting community. And I think it really that's the, the lesson learnt from the season as a whole forget the angst don't beat yourself up don't go on twitter necessarily boasting about your good weeks and disappearing when you have a bad week just enjoy it take each week as it comes and just have fun playing this great game that we all love yeah, that's mm. great advice yeah you agree with that one jay i think i think so and and i think overall that it, that's a great sort of strap line, isn't it? And a, and a great outlook. But to touch upon some of the stuff I was saying about, you know, the dark side of that, mm. I found that there was probably 99% of people in that community are, are lovely, like, you know, awesome people that you'd, you know, all over the world and you'd, you'd want to sit and have a pint with them and, you know, they're really great people. But like anything in life, it only takes a small number of, like, idiots or, like, negative people mm. to really bring you know, bring it down. And I think that, you know, there's that in any community, but I think I really felt it because I was putting myself out there and I wasn't hiding behind like a pseudonym or, or an alias. It was just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it was just, you're sort of fighting on your own, you're fighting your own corner a little bit. And I think that's what really was, I found quite hard, I think, over the over mm. that last season. Yeah, so what you're saying is, Jay, is that the FPL surgery is not all about me, it's all about the guests that come on. So I get to blame all the guests for my awful performance this year. Is that what you're saying, yeah? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. You, you use that word blame and say certainly felt for Jay last year because it's one of those things when you do put your head above the parapet like Jay did and, you know, like you do every week, Jim, and, and Stefan it's one of those things that people are very quick to blame you when they they take your advice but <laughs> yeah. the game week goes wrong you know at the end of the day we don't know you know we haven't we've never we've never starred in back to the future we haven't got that little book that shows us the results that have that have happened a, a ahead of time so it is a bit of a guessing game but we're all using you know our best talents and our best abilities at this but I think that's the the sad downside when people that do put themselves out there do get the blame and that's the other real lesson that pe that you know people should take away apart from have fun is play your own game mm. take yeah, the advice take the advice on board because there's loads out there take the advice on board find the people you trust because there's lots of naff advice out there as well <laughs> find the people you trust find the people who have got great track records you know like like jay and and, and yourself jim and stefan and but Always make your own decision and, and be able to justify making your own decision. Don't do a decision because someone else has said you should do it. Make it because you can actually justify in your head after taking on all that advice. And then at the end of the day, you know, enjoy the successes because they're your successes. But also, you know, suck it up when you have a bad week. Don't blame everybody else, you know. Yeah your choice at the end of the day yeah, that's, that's totally true but whilst whilst you're talking about that all i could think about is actually starring in uh, my version of back to the future that just makes me want <laughs> to take that on at some point uh what about you then uh, marty, marty mckay's man yeah, yeah that'll be the one what, what about you then uh stefan what's your key lesson that you've learned for the season i think i have to echo a bit about what jay said about uh Okay, I've never had bad feedback from coming on these pods and stuff, so I'm, I haven't experienced the idiots he, he talked about. But yeah. 
Uh, I think it's more about putting pressure on myself because after early on in the season, you asked me to come on here as a regular when Bully was going to have his kid. And I said yes. And from that point on, I knew that, okay, I need to have a good overall rank when I come on the pod. I can't just come on here and make that good uh, good couple of last seasons just vanish, vanish. So when I started out bad, I was kind of forcing things. And yeah. I was also I was also invited to the Norwegian podcast. It's a, the biggest Norwegian podcast in Norway. And I was excited for that. It's in a live studio and everything. So it's okay. It's in a studio where we record everything. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, <laughs> that game week, I also failed to pressure. I need to do well before I come on. I don't want to look a fool and something stuff like that. And it ended up being one of the most excruciating game weeks for me <laughs> because mm. it was the game week where everyone in the world had uh, Kevin De Bruyne as vice captain for the eight nil uh, game against Watford, <laughs> except yeah. me. Yeah, no, except I, I me didn't because. As well. yeah. Because I didn't want to have both my captain and vice captain in the same game, as for reasons people now maybe will understand <laughs> with all this coronavirus. So, yeah. so I, I was there and I, I couldn't sleep and I just felt horrible um, because I was putting too much pressure on myself. And I think I've been doing that for pretty much the whole of the season. I've been chasing and I've been trying to force, force points, uh, just force something to happen. Mm. And that, I think, is my biggest lesson, that my enemy is myself. And uh, I, I definitely suffer from the fancy play syndrome. I try to force things and, and just need to step back and trust the process. Yeah, I think you, you've articulated that really well, Stefan. Mm. That's, you know, saying force, trying to force it is exactly right. Because, you, you know, get it, you can't have it both ways. You can't be, like, putting yourself out there and... and and liking the accolades and things are going well and you know saying you don't like it when when you're not doing very well and i'm I, I'm, I'm not saying i'm not saying that i understand that and i think when i was doing a lot of the content i was happy to come out and say god i've had a crap game week or god, i'm not doing very well but you're absolutely spot on that you do then start making these decisions that when you when you later reflect on it when you take a step back that as we all have done in the last six seven weeks you think yeah, I just wasn't thinking straight. <laughs> I just yeah. wasn't um, focusing properly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There is certain things when you're also when you are behind as well. You, you do think in that mentality where you think, "Oh, I'll just do this to get ahead of something else," and then it adds on. You're just. But you see that well. that's also where it's hard. Like you know, like I've said about coming off, not not coming. Off, I don't mean coming off as in not going on it at all social media but mm. if you're glued on twitter for example as is you if you're putting out lots of content you will be you'll go on there on a saturday night or a sunday morning and you'll see everybody going yeah i got so many points that's another <laughs> green arrow and i'm up to this overall yeah, and you depressing. feel like you're the person you feel like you're bottom in the world yeah. yeah and you don't put it into context so even my finish last year i'm saying oh it's but you know felt really bad it's 300k it was like Seven million players, right, or more, or you know, whatever, something around that. So it's not, it's not that bad. You yeah, know? no, it's, it's. You think it's worse than it actually is, is what often right. comes out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agree with that and great thoughts, Stefan, there as well. And uh, I think I'll just go through mine. The main thing I have learned, I think I found it pretty hard this season, but the coronavirus really has given me a great excuse for my poor rank. But my key lesson is don't be scared to make big changes in order to stick to what your plan is. And sometimes don't deviate from your plan just because other things are happening. But I think I'll come to this more when we speak about luck. So the luck aspect. So I'm going to move it on to the topics for discussion then. 
the luck aspect. The old age argument of whether FPL manager is lucky or skillful. Now there'll be plenty of 50-50 decisions that won't go your way, but more often than not, those 50-50 decisions are not always 50-50. They're more like 70-30 and you have made the 30% decision where you blame the bad luck. So I'm going to come to you first on this then, Hortz. What's your thoughts on luck aspect versus skill? Well, uh, to be honest, I mean, you don't, I mean, I'm going to refer back to Jay here. You don't build up Jay's back history in FPL without skill. So there is a huge skill aspect to it. But obviously there has to be a percentage of luck. I mean, we, I mean, I got the, the good end of the luck, for example, back in game week 24, when probably most of the people listening to this podcast will have rolled the dice with their triple captaincy. Half may have gone Salah, half may have gone uh, with Mane. I got the Salah end of the straw and ended up with 48 points. Those that went with Mane ended up with one. So, you know, that's a 47 point thing. Now, if I, if I look, I'm not, I'm not on one of the websites at the moment, but if I look in terms of, if I take 47 points off my points total, I'm probably back at around 300,000 rather than 46,000. And those, and that really was a 50-50 decision that week. And nobody could have said Mane was going to go off, you know, in 18 minutes with his ankle or whatever it was. But you know, that really encapsulates the luck in it. You can make all the decisions, you get, but but you can't predict a player getting injured or, or things like that. Where the skill comes into it is really studying the game, watching how teams line up, making those commitments. And also in terms of the FPL, having a check, you know, four, six weeks ahead, you know, how fixtures are going. That's why the top managers in FPL are the top managers from season to season to season, because they put in the, the hard yards. But yeah, luck is luck is at the end of the day, the thing that will will at the end of the year determine your final position but whether that final position is in the top hundred thousand that's not going to come down to luck that's going to come down to skill at the end of the day yeah yeah i agree with that jay you agree with that one now yeah it's just that simple isn't it you, you're using your skill to enhance the prob- probability of having some good luck on a saturday afternoon that, that's pretty much it really so i totally agree with that Mane salah thing that was when a lot of people triple captain doesn't it that one yeah, yeah, that was think, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I remember watching that West Ham game, and I, I had Salah. Luckily, no, it wasn't. Was it the West Ham game? No, what was the first game? The West Wolves, Ham second Wolves game. Yeah. Wolves, yeah, and I just remember feeling sick for like <laughs> other people. I mean, that is yeah. really that is. I, mean, yeah. I can't. I can't think of much worse luck that you can have, really. And that's the difference between when I said before, and I said it a bit tongue in cheek, that oh, you know, you're three hundred, uh, three thousand, you, you've got a shot at winning it. Well, actually, to win the thing, you, you need a whole load of skill, but you need those those luck elements, those turning points like that one to go in your favour, or the De Bruyne one that you said before about the vice yeah. captain. You, all those, and there's probably about, I reckon, there's probably about ten a season. You know, of those real like big swings. You need them all to go in your favour, don't you, to, yeah. to, to do yeah. really, really well. So there's definitely luck. But when we talk about consistency, sure, that that's the skill, I'd, I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah. Stefan? Uh, I'd just like to add that um, everyone is going to be lucky and everyone is going to be unlucky. But it's the skill part that determines how you react to that luck or unluck. Yeah, because yeah. if you if you have money yeah, and you're point, completely okay, <laughs> sorry, <Jason. laughs> but if you have money and 
you were unlucky, but you end up taking an eight-point hit or a rage wild carding or doing something just drastic because you're on tilt still because you feel so bad for yourself. Mm. That is the skill part. At least I think I can focus better on because I, I've done stuff like that as well. Fe- feeling unlucky, feeling like everything goes against me and letting it affect my future yep. moves. So uh, that's the luck and skill I, thing I, for me. I totally agree with that. That's exactly the point that I was going to make as well. I have felt I have been quite unlucky to be out where I am this season, but there are certain things that I've done wrong this season. I know I've done them wrong. It's like not having TAA all season. I've not had him. That's, oh, you think about that, that is stupid. Like you list that, but I had a reason for it. I did have a reason, albeit not a good one, right? In week one, Jim. You yeah, yeah, I should have. Yeah, I went for Robert week one. Anyway, what I'll say is I was planning to bring him in on after my first wild card, but after my first wild card, I think Liverpool had like a blank, so I wanted to go without Liverpool and then bring them in. So I had a pre-plan, but there was a red card to Son that stopped me. But there's no excuse to that. I knew he was the best defender to have. I, I used that excuse with Son not to make that move and like to deviate away from my plan a little bit. But you know, by three to four weeks later, it was too late for me and I couldn't afford him anymore. So there is a method to stuff like that. So just take a hit when some bad luck hits you like that, like Stefan was saying, like Son getting the red card. It's not to go the easy route, which I did with Son because I, I just cashed him in for, for Salah. I was going to go Sterling, uh, Sterling to Salah, but I didn't. I, I just went Son and then downgraded Abraham, which meant that I had Sterling for far longer than I wanted, which obviously we know now wasn't very good. And I see at the time, like, I viewed this as an opportunity to, to keep Sterling and wait for something magical to happen for him to hit form again, which obviously we now know again, we didn't, it didn't happen. But my point was that my original plan of bringing in TAA and Salah would have benefited me much more than how I deviated away from it due to the bad luck with the uh, some red card. So it is the best FPL managers know how to react to bad luck like that. Now, example of this as well, uh, Jay, is yourself. When I re-released the interview, as I mentioned for the pod, Mm. episode 168, if you want to, I went over your team for the season. So game week seven, you realised you had some terrible players in your team. You had, (laughs) (laughs) you did, you had Wesley. This coming from the guy who's not got to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I've got nothing to stand on. Uh, (laughs) No, but you had Wesley, you had Sabios, you had Luca Dean and Everton weren't playing well back then. And he had Perez from from Leicester. So you went and took a minus eight to sort that rubbish out. And now right. that that was a bold move, which paid off for you because you brought in Sionyu, uh, which obviously everyone went and got Mount, who then went and played well. Abraham, who went on a great run, and Traore before his two goals against Man City. See, it's moves like that that I should have done, and I should have taken that extra mm. minus four to remove Sterling along with Son and brought in TAA as well, which I was planning on doing, knowing that making those sacrifices is key, knowing when to make them. Uh, there is actually a question for you regarding that. Um, Mark at mbison 22 he's given us a list of questions today. Thank you, Mark. He's saying, why did Jay bring in and play Traore for his brace against Man City? Did he see something in him much earlier than everyone, everyone else? Or was it just because you, you had those awful players and you wanted to get rid of them? Okay. Um, quite a lot Quite a lot to get stuck into there. So, <laughs> I think starting on the, the minuses, so, so, yeah, just referring back to the lessons learned, I've gone back to my tried and uh, tested methods that have served me well for, for a long, long time. So, things I'll, I'll have 
probably spoke about these before on the the last pod, but some simple stuff like making moves really close to the deadline, not taking hits. One I've done this season is carry that second transfer a lot. So I've hung, hung a second transfer around for six, seven game weeks sometimes hmm. and not been tempted to burn it, to keep it. For, you know, it'll always come in handy. There's always a there's always an injury. Set myself a 50 points a week target. I've always done that and that works really well because you tend to find that you aim for 50, you'll get slightly more than 50 if you've got your team set up right. If you're fo- you know, focusing on players that you think are going to gonna drip through on average four or five points each. So going back to that, question why did I burn eight points it's because what I thought I need to do at the start of the season is take a few punts I think you said Perez he was like what what did they pay for him 25 million right right so I'm thinking he's probably going to play and in the end the problem with him was he wasn't playing he kept getting subbed after like an hour or being on the bench or something so that was annoying the Sabias guy I just punted early because I saw him in the he, he played they play. Can't remember. He Just played. He got two assists right at the start of the awesome. season in a home game. Yeah, so I just went in on him because he was cheap. I thought his value will go up. And then yeah, D- Luke Dean wasn't doing so well. And then who was the oh, <laughs> Wesley? <laughs> so again, I punted on Wesley on the basis of Villa had some good fixtures. He had no competition. They spent big money on him. He was a bit of an unknown, but you never know. He may have come good, and he, he did all right. He got. He got a goal and a man of the match in one game. He got nine points. So so then what I did was I thought, right, I'll invest some of the points that I've got already and they'll repay over like 30 weeks, like left of the season. And I went for players that I thought were all pretty strong. Certainly Siunchu, Mount, what was the other one? Traore, what was the third one? Fourth uh, one? Abraham and Traore. Right. Right, so the first three, forget Traore, the first three, they were pretty steady. Chelsea were then coming into good fixtures. Those two were nailed on. Leicester looked good. Siuntru was cheap. So that was addressing a lot of points um, in terms of like, they were probably going to go up in value. They were probably going to be the players that other rival managers, i.e. every other manager, would want to buy. And I already had them, so I could go and focus my time on something else. And Traore has been on my radar for about two and a half years. When he was when he was probably at Villa originally, he's, he's a unique player. There's very few players that are, can get a ball and run past five men. Suarez was, to my mind, maybe the last I remember playing in the Prem that could really, you know, uniquely make stuff happen. Like give him the ball and something will something will go. So his price point just fit. He was five million. He was cheap. He'd been playing quite well for Wolves. So I just gambled a little bit, but on the basis that it was a calculated risk, and it worked. And you started him that game week as well. <laughs> well, that was funny as well. This is a great story. A day before the game, my brother-in-law's a City fan, and he said, I've got a ticket. Do you want to come? So I was at the game. Oh, right. City How cool <laughs> wow. is that? And, he, and so I'm giving, you know, in the pub before, and I'm saying to my brother-in-law, you know, I can't wait to watch Traore. I've got him in my fantasy team, like, ha-ha, <laughs> thinking he's going to get two points, right? But I'm thinking to myself, well, at least I can watch the guy in the flesh and I can check out if I've made a good decision or not. And he goes and scores two. I was like, this is, a, this is amazing. <laughs> God, but the, the other thing I've just reminded myself, sorry to keep wittering on, yeah, but yeah, um, on. one of the things I've done, I've done it a bit in the past, but I've really hammered it this season. When I talked about coming off social media and we talk about doing your own, making your own mind up and doing your own decision, I have relentlessly scouted players. When I'm going to, when I'm going to bring them in, I've been like, I read, I read the newspaper two or three times a week, look at all the um, 
player ratings, read the local press. I don't know if you read The Athletic. I don't know if you get that, Stefan, in, in Norway. It's like yeah. it's an app where you can read loads of like good sports journalists write stuff on there. Yeah. So, Traore, I'd, re- I'd read a lot of the match reports. This is sad, right? But I'd read a lot of the match reports in the Europa that they'd played in all those prelim rounds. And he, his, the praise he was getting in the local press was in the Birmingham press was like, this Traore is brilliant. He's, you know, he's going to be a star, a star player. Da, 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 da. So, I've done that for every, pretty much every player that I've shipped in, taking information from people that aren't biased towards FPL they're just sports journalists they just follow that team and that's helped me to make a calculated decision whether or not somebody's gonna you know gonna hold down their place in that team and play well yeah lots of information which you're going kind of overboard not overboard just past what you everyone else does just more than the usual so it's a, it's a lot of information obtained just to find out about one player and you, do you do yeah, that about a lot yeah but this is what, what I think what's different to what I found when I was on social media a lot was I, I'm getting this information in, in in isolation, so I'm not getting anybody you, you know influencing that pro the, the pro processing of all that data. Yeah. Whereas what I'd find when I was on Twitter a lot, like James Madison last season, I'd seen him play a couple of times. I thought he looks all right. He's like he's okay. He's a young lad. He's all right. He's doing some set pieces, but he'd go on Twitter and it'd be like Madison, Madison, Madison. <laughs> and it really clouds your judgment. You think like, what am I missing here? And I'm not saying that Twitter doesn't have, or social media doesn't have some great info. It does, but it doesn't allow you to actually, Stefan said at the start, a really v- valid point, which is it's your team. Oh, sorry. Horse said it. It's your team, which it, of course it is. But sometimes when you are spending so much time, talking about it with other people kind of suddenly becomes everybody's team does that make sense it's not uniquely yours because you've been swayed by the crowd a little bit yeah totally makes sense i do agree with that it's just a mindset which i do fall into and i uh i do quite a lot actually because you you get the feel of what else is going on like you hear about you know like barnes was a big shout yeah even though he was the correct shout but there was part of me which looked at that and was like, oh, is that just uh, something which everyone else is going on about? And I, I stayed away from it. I actually went for Perez in the end, which turned out to be the wrong option. But yeah, if I was looking at it through isolation of everything else, then I might have gone Barnes instead, instead of knowing that everyone else was going for him. So it's kind of the same thing, just a bit too clouded. I tried to be different in that particular point and went wrong with it. So yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about it before it came on before and and the analogy I thought was it's a bit like you deciding I'm going to go for a pint after work and I really want like a Peroni or whatever it is you drink (laughs) Uh, it's really going to quench my thirst and I can't wait to have this Peroni and you've like properly worked out that's what you want and then as soon as you open the door to the pub everybody in the pub turns around and starts saying other drinks that are probably great like really nice but you know by the time you get to the bar you're so confused about what you want, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't that end up getting what you want. So, yeah. yeah, and then you, you're almost like, oh my God, like I just don't know what to do. That's and a that, great we've all yeah. been there on a Friday night, haven't we? Where you're like, I just don't know. I can't work out what to do. And it yeah. drives you mad. Yeah, same. Sorry, Stefan. But I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned you mentioned that Barnes Perez thing, Jim. That's that's another one of those things that comes back down to luck. 
because I know I was jumping one way and the other on that, and it came right the way down to deadline as to which one to go with. And and both arguments had justification. And at the time, in in that moment, I mean, obviously, subsequently, we know Barnes was the right move. But in that moment, it was a 50-50 call, and it could have gone either way. Barnes was the the average pick. Perez was the, the he's going to be on penalties with Vardy not playing. So it wasn't the yeah. wrong pick at the time, but it's another one of those things that comes down to luck where at the end of the day, you press the button on Perez. You could have been the one laughing. You know, history shows that wasn't the case. Is this again, for the Villa game, by the way? Uh, it was, yeah, it was sort of about three or four weeks before sort of shutdown, wasn't it? Um, oh, okay, right. I can't, I can't remember when, when I brought him in exactly. But yeah, I was in that same boat because it's when we heard that Vardy was going to be out, wasn't it? Yes. And, it was uh, the week before, the week before against Norwich. Yeah. Did, did we get beat down at Norwich? Yeah. Yeah, 1 0, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Right, so then they played Villa, and then what was interesting about that when we were talking about the luck bit before, it ended up like 5 0 and it was embarrassing. But that could have just been cancelled because of Corona. Yeah. So someone could have shipped in three Leicester players, and 5 0 got what, 30 points, 40 points maybe, if they got it spot on. On the other hand, they could have got naught. So, you know, that's the luck bit yeah. that we were talking about. It's a bit like um, uh, I played the wild card to maximize on the double game week, and I got uh, zero goals from Arsenal and City, my five players. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. And uh, it just summed up my season. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I was still hurting talking about that on the pod. That wasn't, wasn't nice, and I felt for you on that one. Right, let's move it on then to uh, player and team value. So there are some conflicting views on the podcast this week, actually. So, Stefan, what are your views on team value? How do you keep on top of that? I think I don't. I don't like to focus on team value per se, but I do like to focus on getting the value picks in. Yeah. So, so this season, it's obviously that you should have gotten Lundstrom pretty early because he Sheffield United looked great. It didn't take more than a couple of games, maybe maximum three, four, before he looked like a real uh, must-have. And you also had other picks like Puki Mount was good, Alexander Arnold, of course, and I think. That's your sort of non-skilled move, James. When you yes, when you said you had you had plans for it's a it's a point about team player and team value because you had plans for Alexander Arnold later and as well as for Lundstrom maybe. Mm. The, the thing is, by that point, they too expensive. Yeah. So the the thing must always be for me just to I will have a good team value if I got the right players. So the, the key for me, for me will still be to try to get the, get the value play early on, and I might. Uh, I think I think it's okay to play an early wild card uh, just to get those players in. If uh, we get signs that there are certain amount of certain players, we just need to get in our teams early. Further along with that, it means that for the next season, whenever it starts, I think I will focus maybe a bit more on having. A team which isn't full of punts. Like this season where we had, or at least I had, a couple of Bournemouth guys because they had a couple of seemingly good fixtures early on. And those guys kind of locked me from doing something uh, something else. I couldn't like get Puki in or I couldn't get Lundström in necessarily because I felt like I had to save my transfers to bring out my short-term punts in Fraser and Wilson. I think I had... Something so I think it's a uh, team value. It's not that important 
for me, but I think if you have a high team value, you have played the game right from the start. And yeah. as the season progresses, team value makes less sense. Yeah, I think the the second time on this pod, which um, pre-planning transfers hasn't really worked for us as well, where where you're where you know that you're going to get rid of someone, or you know that you're going to bring someone in eventually, like in a three or four moves, uh, it can be scuppered so many times. So that mm. is uh, is one mm. thing to take note of. What about you then, Jay? What's your thoughts on on Team Valley? I already kind of know you're you're not really you you make last minute decisions. Well, like, yeah, Friday, Steph- Stefan's nailed it. I mean, have you ever met anyone who's like a millionth overall who's got a brilliant Team Value? I, I haven't. So <laughs> it's impossible to do. If you're doing well, you can have a great team value. So I also think there is, I'm trying to think of a better word than value, but value in waiting until as close to the deadline as you can. If that means you miss a price rise a couple of times, I'd rather miss that and have the ability to make a more calculated, balanced decision than gamble and just because I want to build up the value of my team. I just, you know, I just don't get that. But I, I do really agree with what Stefan's saying about um, getting the value picks in early makes a huge, huge difference. So you and Trent, for example, I bet I couldn't even imagine what he's up to now. Is he about eight million? Seven and a half, eight million maybe? Oh, God, yeah, seven, Let's see. Six I'm going to check. So from whatever he started at. 7.8. So right, and he had just started at seven, so like you yeah. know, point eight. When you're already paying seven, and that's probably the top price defender, you're paying a huge premium on I'm top pay, of that. I'm not paying anything for him. He's you're not paying anything. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you, if you decided like Liverpool had a triple game with whatever, and you were yeah. like, got to get him, I'd it's just premium. gonna, it's just gonna, you, you'd have to basically downgrade, you know, downgrading point eight somewhere else. It's, that is hard. Yeah. Okay. And Holtz. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, concurring what the guys have said, you know, get get on those value guys early and your team value will automatically rise. I mean, team value is great, especially at the end of the year when you've got that extra little bit to spend for the final run-in on your second wildcard and that sort of stuff. But I seem to remember at the end of last season, I had literally money in the bank because I couldn't spend it because the big guns weren't necessarily firing and they weren't the guys that you needed to have. But obviously, it's useful having that money in the bank to get them if if the big boys are firing and, and then you can do that. And like Jay, this season, I've reverted back to uh, making picks later on in the week on the Friday evening or even the Saturday morning and and foregoing that extra sort of 0.1, 0.2 rise that I might have jumped on on previous seasons because you want to make sure they're, well, A, they're not injured or B, they're going to be playing and that sort of stuff. And I think back, there's probably maybe one or two weeks in a season where you might miss out on picking out a certain player for that 0.1 or, or mm. 0.2 difference. But it's rare. It's, you know, and, and people get hung up on, the, oh, I've got to get in early, got to get in early. But it's so rare you're going to miss out on a player because of that point one. Yeah, we'll all remember that specific game week where we couldn't get so-and-so, but it but it's not very often. So, yeah, t- I mean, team value is an integral part of the game. And obviously that's another aspect of where the skill comes in, in making sure you've got those value players that are adding adding money to your team and you and you get on them at the right time but also you get off them at the right time you know but yeah it's not the be all and end all that some people think it is but um yeah if you're playing the game right it should look after itself yeah i i do agree with you but i'm gonna come at it from a little bit of a different angle now so 
I mean, I do feel like having great team value is important throughout the season. I did find that this season I didn't have enough cash a few times to get like limited players that I wanted. Because I do the research that I do and the knowledge I try to take on regarding all the players, Like this kind of minimises the amount of players I want to go for sometimes. And sometimes team value can be important to kind of obtain these players. I believe going early at the start of the season through to like Christmas is normally a better way to go because that's when the prices are increased a little bit more so you can see a point mm-hmm. three rise on on someone whereas you wouldn't see it throughout the the end part of the season so at the start of the season through to december i like to go a little bit earlier than i would from december onwards so so that i can hit that point one rise because that can be the difference between like a Maguire or a, a vvd or someone i mean i didn't focus too much on it this year I left it quite a lot until the Friday like you said and I almost feel like I should have gone a little bit earlier at the start but not in the second half of the season so yeah you'll say sorry go on go on you go I say you're you're safer doing that on the very very early part of the season before the European competitions kick in because there's less chance of players being injured midweek I think the important thing is when the European competitions kick in in. and and yeah and of course well and of course that's when rotation really starts to kick in once the European competitions start that's when you start have to be a little bit more careful but but yeah you do have a point very early doors in the season sometimes it may well pay off to go slightly earlier than you will later on in the year yeah yeah Okay, right, let's move on to uh, the volume of information obtained, right? I'm going to come back to you, Hawks. Like, how many podcasts, stats, articles, like, you know, whether that's been helpful to you? How many do you listen to and um, read, etc.? It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't now subscribe to any, any websites. So I do rely on Twitter, but I think I said earlier on, you find out the sort of people that you respect and, and their opinions. So you don't necessarily, you have to sort of, cut out all the chuff that's flying around and mm. concentrate on the, the the people that you trust obviously i listen to the surgery every week that goes without saying <laughs> but there there's probably two or three other podcasts that i make a point of listening to others out there that i'll listen to if i have the time but there's there's two or three core podcasts and i've really cut down what i listen to i think say really concurring what jay said last year you can have too much information sometimes you've got too many opinions coming in but you find out what works for you and you know and again who you like listening to you know some some pods have different ways of going about it that that some were great with my listening and i'll struggle to listen to it but other pods that i can really feel that i can get engaged with um whether i agree with the presenters or not i can Mm. actually get engaged with that podcast and i think yeah it's it's you it's that bit of experience comes in you find out what works for you you don't necessarily take everything on board but but you find out what clicks and and again the important thing is make your own decisions at the end of all that you know cut through it all but don't make decisions because someone you trust on a podcast has said oh everyone should bring in this player evaluate it at the end of the day fine if you agree with that go with it but at the end of the day if you've got a nagging doubt don't do it because sometimes the best decisions you make in FPL are the ones you don't do. Don't make, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Is, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm the same as that. I lap it all up. I try to listen to as many podcasts, articles regarding football. I'm a bit different to Jay. You were saying you weren't uh, listening to as much, but I get as much of it as possible because I don't get bored of it. I do try and listen to different views each week from different areas. I, I hear a lot of people saying that, you know, don't try and get overloaded and influenced by more than one podcast or article or something. 
something because it confuses you. But I think you have to have a view where you're able to hear someone's point and either agree with it or allow it to support your view or disagree with it or think for yourself and think the reasons why you disagree with it. This is like a way when someone makes a point on another podcast regarding FPL, it makes you think yeah, about the way that you would think about it. Some things are discussed on other podcasts, which we don't discuss on this podcast sometimes like, because we don't have enough time to get through it. And yeah, sometimes I have a little discussion with myself thinking, oh yeah, I've, I would, wouldn't do that, but I'd do it like this. So I, I do like to take it all in, but make my own decision. Jay, what are your thoughts? Um, I, th- I think it's just a case of the what works for the individual, doesn't it? So yeah. I've talked a bit about really taking a step back and gathering my own information and et cetera, et cetera. Other people are like, you know, I just look, like you've just said, I just love like, you know, don't get bored of listening to all these different things. So, you know, I've literally really, really cut back even to the point of like, I have two Twitter accounts, one, which is like, you know, my, mine as me. And then just like a, like a anonymous one where I just follow journalists and I don't even follow FF Scout anymore. Because there's just too much content coming out that I just didn't need. Yeah. Um, even things like, you know, you sat there on a Wednesday and you're like, oh, I'll check on Twitter and see if there's any groundbreaking team news, like somebody been injured in training or whatever. And I'm just like, well, just get that information on Friday at the end of the day. Stop, you know, refreshing your phone every five seconds to get the news. Yeah. Just chill out, just get it in one big lump and then digest it. I don't mean completely disconnect, you know, you still get your finger on the pulse, but for me personally, it's a case of not having too much, but I get it that other people will probably function better by having a lot more than, than I'd want. Well, it's good. It's, it's different views. It's, you know, everyone's going to have different views on most things. That's the way Yeah, and, the and, and it's everyone's own team, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like um, we said at the start, so. Yeah, yeah. Stefan, what, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I think it's the recent seasons, I think, has been such a competition for getting guys to subscribe or guys to join their site or everything. So it's a big pressure on everyone using Twitter or anything else. They Everyone wants you to go look at their stuff all the time. So I think that can be a bit too much for me. The most important thing for me is just to catch the injury news, uh, suspensions, uh, fixture updates, anything like that. That is the most important thing for me. And I do watch uh, some press conferences, just watch uh, several teams are good. Um, they actually release the whole press conference. Some some teams you have to log into the site or something, but I find just watching some of the press conferences can give me a better clue as to whether guys are speaking the truth or I find also mm. that there's a lot of misquotes going around Twitter. Mm. They, uh, and I like to just hear what I, exactly what they said and in which manner and in which mood and stuff, because some of these managers are real tricky to figure out what you're going to do. Like Pep and Solskjaer has been deceitful this season. Eddie Howe is always, you can't trust him. So it's just good to to listen to those, uh, get first-hand info. And other than that, I don't think... Uh, I think you can do, like your other guys have said, that you can listen to a lot, you can listen to some few podcasts, you can read a lot, you can read a little, just do whatever you like. But I think the, the main information to get is the actual news on injuries and suspensions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You made a really good point there, Stefan. That's a great one which is on the press conferences, you know, you'll get like a soundbite, won't you, that you'll see on the news. But to actually watch that l- line be delivered by the manager, you'll get an idea of the tone and, and all that stuff that's really important that you just mm. don't get from reading it on a screen. 
again, that's like fancy football nerd level yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get it right. But that's that's the sort of stuff I'm talking about about investing. That's the stuff I'd invest my time in now rather than spend an hour on Twitter. I'd spend an hour digging out that press conference and fast forwarding it to the bit I need. Yeah, yeah, great point, Stefan, and well backed up, Jay. I think we're gonna um, we're gonna move it on to the next point then. So we're talking a lot about what you should do and uh, what you are currently doing and how you do it. I want to bring this back to lessons learned then. Really, you've got a way of planning. A lot of people have a different way of planning. But what were your lessons learned for this year in planning? So what did you learn, Jay, in terms of your planning for this year? Um, this this is great, isn't it? I've written down plan ahead. Oh, that's not very good. <laughs> um, I think the big one is what I said about carrying that transfer. So, yeah, yeah how how many years that. have we been able to do that now? Is it about five seasons, or is it has time gone a lot faster? And it's well, a you're, lot, you're lot the more... veteran here. You should. Right. Know yeah. I reckon it's probably about. I don't know. Let's say five seasons. I might be way off. And it's it's been as since I've been playing, and I, this is my sixth season, and I I don't remember it being any different oh, right, before okay. that. So so. Just, right. Okay. So it's all merging into one, like most most of my <laughs> life when when you've got two kids. Hmm. Um, so, so only I I I don't think what I realised last season was I I had this like eureka moment. I did two free transfers, and I bought in Ashley Barnes and someone else who was just you know way average. And of course, they performed all right over the next few weeks. I remember thinking to myself, why have you done? Like, why have you had this chance to bring in two players into your starting 11? And one of them is Ashley Barnes and the other one is like, you know, similar player. So keeping on to a transfer until, you know, one of those big turning point moments happens. So maybe the Son uh, red card or the Mane injury or, you know, all these things that happen. Use those two transfers on your premium players. Keep one back or, you know, maybe you'll need to, like you, you're talking about Trent, you you didn't get him in because there was this problem and that problem. Well, if you've always got a transfer in your back pocket, you've always got that emergency get out of jail that you can use at the right time it doesn't cost you any points so I think I've always talked quite a lot about the value of points and why I think you should try and avoid doing hits as best you can because you know the points are the most precious thing and then I think this just takes it on another step which is hopefully removing the risk of a having to do a minus and then b when you do one like that minus eight one I did you've got probability that the players you bring in are going to get the points back yeah, yeah, that's good points. Um, well, sorry, I had an order where I was doing it. I've well uh, bored you there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes I uh, can't quite think now (laughs) now Hawks where where are you at with your planning anything you learned from this season with planning well I mean not so much from this season but it's it's what I've picked up over the last two or three really where I've been obviously taking it far more seriously is that you do need to plan ahead and I know you mentioned earlier about sometimes you sort of have an idea of moves you might want to make four to six weeks down the line and and I I certainly do that because you, you're certainly keeping eyes on players and you're keeping eyes on fixtures and you you see where the fixture turns come. And I think that's important to, to bear that in mind. And also, when you're making transfers, don't necessarily make transfers 
for that one game week or the, mm. the, the two game weeks. You mm. make those transfers based on, yeah, I'm bringing this guy in because I want him for a minimum of four to six weeks. Similarly, if you know if you get to that point where you're going to take a hit, never take a hit for one game week because they've got to literally, you know, luck has got to really shine on you for, for, for you to get a return on that. Some people get lucky, but you're not always going to get lucky and, and you're going to burn that four points which you know when when you when you're up in the top echelons those four points can make a difference in in your final placings i think i've taken four hits all year which is quite low for me but i think that's really what i've done is sort of based it on those sort of slightly more long-term decisions four to six weeks and of course you have to be flexible like you said you know you might make those plans and then it all collapses around you someone gets injured and it's like a, a, a house of cards it all goes wrong but you so you need to remain flexible but certainly try and plan four to six weeks ahead something in that region um but don't have them cemented into your like don't have them cemented. You, you've yeah. got to remain flexible because at the end of the day someone may increase in price too much and you might lose them and 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 but the important thing to do is avoid those knee-jerk decisions that I would rec- I would reckon sort of eight times out of ten, you know, after the game week, you end up kicking yourself and go, you know, like Jay said, why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you think you think actually if I hadn't done it, I'd have been far better off, and I and I'd have a free transfer sitting in sitting there ready to use next week. And it's avoid those knee-jerk decisions. Make reasoned arguments with yourself you know go through it with yourself is this justified why i'm doing this and 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 if it doesn't happen this week have i got three or four game weeks that this guy is still going to repay my my faith in him really that's that would be what i would say in terms of forward planning yep great points as always thank you Hortz. stefan what are your thoughts on any lessons you learned from planning this year well, I think I'd like to echo both Jay and Holtz in saying that you should be patient with your transfers, of course, but also keeping that second free transfer is, oh. I think it's it's key and some something I've done. Uh, I have not excelled at this season. I've been being a bit too aggressive for me. But I, I like to plan, and this season I made this uh, spreadsheet, which I just like to spend some time in just to get to uh, and and most plans i make and most team drafts i look at and most transfers i plan ahead most of them won't come off because something usually happens but the thing about it for me is that i think i get a real good feel for the game when i just keep looking at the fixtures and the players and how they when the fixtures swing how it will work out which players i can possibly bench what's my weak spots so I just like to dabble in in that team and just look how will how will my squad fare in the coming weeks, be it four weeks, six weeks, and even ten weeks. I never used my ten week plan, but I <laughs> I, I think I, I liked. It's I nice to have something just, there, like an almost <laughs> template. Yeah, and I enjoy just sitting there and looking at stuff in the spreadsheets. I think that's uh, something I, even though I'm doing bad, I think I'm, I'm, I will do more of that next season. And the seasons before, I've also done planning, of course, but it's much more in the notepad form, format. So yeah. it uh, it's, it's basically just to make the notepad more efficient to have a spreadsheet or something. Uh, other than that, I... I think avoiding hits also for me is key, especially because personally I tend to... When I first when I take that first hit of the season, I usually end up taking more, and I don't like taking hits, and I don't like my decisions when I'm taking hits, and I don't think I I can't remember the last time I gained from taking hits. So that's more of a 
self-disciplinary thing for me to just uh, be patient. Yeah, I uh, I can't really add more to what you guys have put. You guys have uh, articulated all that very well. Thank you very much. So we're going to move it on to bandwagons and recency bias. So how to spot the bandwagons and when to join them? How much attention do we pay to recent performances and as opposed to consistent steady performers so we had a question again from mark at mbison22 just saying jumping on bandwagons has really paid off in the first half of the season and patience didn't in future seasons should we play the game more aggressively in the early part of the season and revert to the patient approach when things settled down so i'm going to come to you back on this stefan what are your thoughts on this one well, I think uh, you shouldn't change strategies based on how this season started because I think it's pretty much random. Uh, if you if you just made a few transfers early this season and you went for guys like Lundström and some other guys who who hit uh, hit the ground running, you would be okay. But uh, the thing I, with bandwagons is I think doing like Jay does with toning down his Twitter and being less on Twitter and refreshing less than eat every five seconds or something like mm. i guess a lot of us uh, find ourselves doing especially when we might uh, maybe when we should have gone to sleep or something because when, when you do that at least for me i find that I, i'm getting massive fomo or fear of missing out for like mm. pretty much every player because it seems like okay everyone's getting this guy in of course those who aren't getting him in or doesn't like him they they don't write on twitter or on and build him up. So, to me, that's uh, that's the the problematic part about the bandwagons. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel like I'm missing out, and I I feel like I'm forced to do something, especially when also checking the the price changes and the FPL statistics late at night and looking. Oh, they have him on going up in price. Should I go to bed or should I make the transfer? Okay, it's it's Tuesday, Thursday. It's a couple of days still until so. Yeah, I love that hip expression you've used of FOMO as well. That is very true. <laughs> yeah, I'm Norwegian. I can do. I don't know if you use it anymore. I know. Uh, very cool. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's important, of course, to get on the right bandwagons. But you need to maybe use other stuff to to get on the right ones. Yeah, Jay, thoughts on that? Well, just because the way I've been playing this season, there's there's no real bandwagons because there's just me. If if you know what I mean, I think mm. when you're very active in the community then it feels that yeah you know you, you, there's bandwagons and it feels like a thing but when you're playing the way i've been playing it's kind of different there's only like you so <laughs> it doesn't really matter but i think um it can go one way or the other can't it, it can go brilliantly and you, and you go with the crowd and it pays off or it goes spectacularly wrong and you end up with players that you don't want so it's a real uh, real fine line yeah horts yeah, I mean, to be honest, answering M. Bison's question, I think the, the honest answer is a, a good balance of mixture uh, of aggression and patience is ideal because you want your regular solid returners like your TAAs, your KDBs, Salah, uh, Jimenez, once he once he sort of kicked into the season. Those sort of guys are just returning every week and everything like that. And then you can slightly go more aggressive on the guys which is where form and fixtures comes in and especially with the strikers i found this season where guys have got onto streaks and it's tended to combine with form and fixtures they've had a nice little run of fixtures comes back to that four to six week 
window where you go, yeah, actually, they've banged in a couple of goals and they've got a decent set of fixtures coming up. I'm going to invest in them. I mean, guys this year, I can immediately think of in, in the forward line, um, Pukki, Ings, Vardy, Calvert-Lewin, Abraham. All of those guys had little windows where they were great. And if you were on them at the right time, and I dare say Jay probably was, if you were on them at the right time, it was an obvious thing to do. Yes, it was an aggressive move by making a move to get one of those, those forwards. But we, we've all seen someone maybe gets a brace on a weekend and then on a Monday night, every, you know, generally speaking, you know, the, the, the FPL community is piling on that player. There's but when you look at their yeah. forward fixtures, there's nothing to sort of point out that they're going to get another goal in the next six weeks, let alone another brace. And that's what I don't understand. And that's the sort of stuff that you need to be careful to avoid. And as you say, by being by not jumping onto social media and not buying into the whole bandwagon thing just because they've scored a couple of goals doesn't mean that's going to carry on you need to evaluate fixtures coming up if you think this guy's coming to form if they're going to play every week all those sort of questions need to need to come into your evaluation and then actually when i look back you know pookie was obvious when we jumped on him ing's I mean, I got an Ings very early. It to me, it seemed a no-brainer. Same with Vardy and and Calvert Lewin in the latter part of the season. They they all looking back now. I mean, it may not have been the case at the time, but they all looked like obvious moves to have made, taking into account the fixtures they had. And I think that that's where you can be aggressive, as but you still have to justify it to yourself. Yeah. Um. And obviously, you live and die on those decisions. But but also make sure the backbone of your team. Is also still going to be returning, you know, yeah, your TAs, your KDBs, those the, sort of guys. It allows you that then to be aggressive, but don't be aggressive across your whole starting eleven because that way only leads to disaster. Yeah, the the backbone is what kind of brings me back to Jay's point about the the fifty points type of thing. You you want those players which are going to be steady returners that you're continuously you're earning points from, but then you're going to benefit from these. You know, bandwagons per se. Exactly, yeah. And these guys are the better. ones that are going to give you seventy and eighty point weeks when they come off. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're honest. I think I like your point about um, having a, a strong structure, a strong structure in your team. Because I think when you're talking about bandwagon bandwagon players, these are probably going to be like value players. These are going to be players that you would ordinarily not expect much from. And what you're hoping to do is turn them into a profit making, i.e., you know, points returning player. So if you've got eight or nine players and you start an 11 that are drip feeding three points, you know, the usual suspects, the people that really fly up the rankings are the ones that can get points out those other two or three that are making up the rest mm-hmm. of the 11. So some of the names you said there, Ings, Calvert-Lewin, etc., pretty cheap, suddenly become mid-priced. You know, they jump into that next price bracket. And if you've got on them early, that's when you're really, you know, going to be flying up the rankings. Yeah. Well said. Thank you very much, guys. So we're going to move it to, I think we're going to wrap it up now with one last question. Again, from Mark at Invice 22 our king question man for the year. He says, FPL General writes a set of golden rules for FPL on a post-it note and keeps it uh, on his laptop throughout the season. What golden rule would you write on a post-it note for next season? Now, Stefan, can I come to you first? It will be stay patient. Okay. Nice rule. Jay? It's really hard. Um, what would I write as a golden rule? I think it's got to be along the lines of play your own game. Yeah. But within that, that's not just like, that's a bit cliche. I think play your own game that 
allows you to enjoy it. That's what I've learned in the last couple of years, that it's just something that's meant to be fun, that is like something to relax with at the weekend. I know it takes up all your thinking space. And you guys are probably like me. You're lying in bed on a Monday night thinking of, like, hmm. what are the next 10 Wolves fixtures? <laughs> yeah. But I much rather have that in my own headspace, not having to worry about talking to loads of other people about it, than I did when I felt like I had to talk to, you know, thousands about it, if that makes sense. That stopped being fun. Yeah. So whatever it is for you, and I know, you know, we talked about the people dipping in and out and, and having loads of content, not much content, whatever's fun, you know, works for you, just just make sure you enjoy it. Yeah. Good point. So it's not a good one, is it? No, no, it's, it's not one word, but it's totally, if, if you've got the one bit on the post-it note, you understand what it means, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 so my, my awful handwriting anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And Hortz, what's, what would yours be? Well, well, I'll tell you what, I'm dead chuffed because what I've actually got written down on my piece of paper is almost exactly word for word what, what Jay has said. And if I'm if I'm oh, in the fine. same boat as fantasy royalty <laughs> like that, I'm quite happy. <laughs> um, I've literally, yeah, I've literally put play your own game, but above all, have fun and enjoy it. And, yeah. and that that's the bottom line as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, great points. And that is going to take us out to the break for the Iceman's Piss Break. So we will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for potentially the last time this season, but hopefully not for the last time ever, please welcome back from his piss, it's the Iceman! I, I, I just can't get enough of that. I wish you were here every week, Hawks. I really do. <laughs> just to do every week. That's great. Thank you very much. Right. It is time for the Iceman's quiz. So... It's a little bit different than I normally do. I normally do stats and, you know, just get you to guess which player it is or which team, etc. So, okay, it's guess the player. I will give you guys a list of clues and you each get the chance to take one guess per round to guess the player. If you want to guess, you will need to shout out your name and I will come to whoever shouts out first. From there, you will only get the one guess until I read the next clue. Are you guys ready for this? Yes, Are they yes. current Premier League players? Yeah, they, good question. Is it, is it any player from like the <sighs> yes, all time? They they have been or are current Premier League players. That is the only <laughs> overall <laughs> clue that. So I'm the only clue that. is these are players that have played in the Premier League. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Got yeah. it. How many how many clues do we have for each player? Uh, so there is about seven. So you should get it. By the, by the seventh clue, if you don't get it, I'm throwing you all out. I love right, your okay. face, James. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. This player, player number one, was born on the 19th of April, 1989, and currently stands at six foot three inches tall. No one's going to guess that one. <laughs> he joined a Dutch side, FC Twent, at the age of 17 in 2006. Horts. Go on then, Horts. Virgil van Dijk. Incorrect. Yeah. Jay. <laughs> so, so Go on, Jay. Is it Van Persie? That's incorrect. You want to guess, Stefan? Um, Wijnaldum. 
That's also incorrect. <laughs> Clue number three. His professional debut came as a substitute against PSV Eindhoven in 2007. Clue number four. He has made three appearances on loan to Inter Milan, where he won all three of his honours. Mm. Number five. Four seasons he spent at a club in England where he scored 22 goals from 125 appearances. Uh, Stefan. Go on, Stefan. How many appearances did you say? (laughs) 125. 22 goals? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, uh, pass. (laughs) Good guess, yeah. Yeah, good guess. Right, this clue might help you a lot more. So, this club that he was at was Stoke, who he signed for in 2013. Stoke. Oh, you guys, eh? He's right. a Dutch player for Stoke. Not necessarily hmm. a Dutch player. Ah, uh, yes, that's what I, I made that assumption. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, uh, this this one you should get one of Oh, hang should... on, hang on. Um, You've got to shout out your name first. Hortz. Um, go, go in, Hortz. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Robot him. thing. Um, what's Who? his name? Yeah, the guy that does the robot. Um, does the podcast? Oh Christ! <laughs> Do you mean, right. you, mean, you, mean you mean Peter you know Crouch? But mean. you're totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm wrong. Who do I mean? Peter yeah, Crouch. Crouch. But uh, he didn't have 122 games in the Premier League, right? Jay, yeah. go on, Jay. Is it Arnautovic? It is Arnautovic. Oh. Well done, Jay. Ooh. I'll, I'll give you the other clues, which was really going to give it away. He moved for an undisclosed fee, uh, which could rise to 25 million to West Ham Hawks. And I then, got that. Yeah. And then I was going to say <laughs> he, he's currently playing his football in China. And I was going to say, if you didn't get any of that, then you are I've got that. terrible. Yeah. Uh, so he got all of his honours. Syria, Syria A. Go on. Sorry. Did he have 22 goals total in the Premier League? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of hype. Oh, no, not, not total. Sorry. Not total for Stoke. Okay, okay, so, yeah, that makes he, sense. He, I mean, he didn't get a bucket load at West Ham, to be honest, did he? No, no he didn't. No. Right, uh, he also won Australian Football of the Year 2018 and Hammer of the Year 2017-18. Right, next player then. So Jay is 1-0 up. There are, are two more players to get. This player has a middle name of Michael Edward and was born on the 1st of November 1994 in Portsmouth, Hampshire. Number two. He is the son of a barrister. Number three, he has made 31 appearances for England's under-21s, but only two for the senior team. Number four, in his professional club career, he has scored 21 goals from 222 appearances. Number five, he made his debut for Southampton on the opening day of 2012-2013 season, playing... Jay. Go on, Jay. Ward Prowse. Nailed it as well. Well wow. done, Jay. What? Jay is okay. on four. Well, well done, Jay. He's the master. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> the, the last clue there was uh, his third behind KDB and Madison for midfielders for crosses this season. Now, that should have given it away, really, that last one as well. So, so Jay's won the quiz, but we'll do the last player anyway. <laughs> I can just put the reserves out for this one, can't I? <laughs> <laughs> go, get your yeah, chi- yeah. go get your children. <laughs> Right, we'll do this one. See if you can get it, Jay, anyway. Right. This player, like the first player, is six foot three and was born on the twenty second of june nineteen ninety four. Was named Untricht 
Player of the Year whilst on loan in 2015 with only 17 appearances. He scored 24 goals from 60 appearances in the Bundesliga in 2017-2019. This season, in the Premier League, he has won 45 tackles, 8 interceptions and has created 23 chances. He has the most flick-ons as per Optus... Sta- Go on, Jay. Is it Howler? It is Howler. <laughs> 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 Jay has absolutely nailed this quiz and he has wiped the floor with Hortz and Stefan. Well done, Jay. You, you Thank pr- you. Prize on its way to you. What's the prize? The yeah. prize is, depending on your shirt size, it can be a T-shirt Awesome. Uh, we will discuss that after after the. Oh, uh, thank you. After I'm buzzing about that. Um, Everyone must post during a lot. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, well earned, mate. Well earned. Yeah. yeah. Well you, done. It's not, remember, it's, James, James, do you remember when we discussed the pods after the lockdown or the Premier League got suspended? And I had this great idea about us maybe doing some more quizzes. <laughs> and then and then I went on getting zero correct answers. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 Stefan has something. literally got no correct answers at all. My my other clues for Haller, by the way, just so I can read them, uh, is he has won the most aerial duels this season and he has seven goals this season. So um, Actually makes him sound like a, a decent prospect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mate, 45 tackles, eight inceptions. Yeah, he's doing yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> Next year. Next yeah, year he comes yeah. good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's. We're going to move on to the FPL Surgery Patreon League. So the winner for March of just the one game week is Paddy the Hitman. So well done, Paddy. I am going to send you a prize your way. Uh, the current overall standings for the Patreon League is Matt Seward is in third, Tim Regan Morris is in second, and Jeff Holt is currently leading in first. So well done, Jeff. So if the season ever finishes, you will win something also. And now the FPL Surgery Podcast Public League. The current winner is Jake Gallagher, but I'm going to leave it to Stefan to read out the remaining uh, top (laughs) 10. So good luck, Stefan. Okay, in 10th place, it's Alex Nielsen. In 9th, Simon Ratten. 8th, Luco Truman. And then it's Karthik Maghendra in 7th. And sixth, Richard Ndlovu. Fifth, Rhys Muffet. Fourth, Lars Jörgen Benson. Third, Tue Theodor Ekbakke. Second, Luke Burgess. And in first place, Jake Gallagher with 1,829 points. One point ahead of Luke. So that will sting for Luke if the season is ending now. Yeah, well, I hope everyone can understand why I got Stefan to read them out. <laughs> right, what, so... What do you guys think on, um, just as a quick one, on, on, this, on the actual season ending now, do you think that's what's going to happen? Oh, I, well, I, I reckon... That- yeah, by the time seventeenth of May is is the is the day of of game week thirty eight, and just the fact that they haven't been able to put a hold on any of these game weeks, we're either going to be faced with what an eleven game week game thirty eight, or it's just going to finish on the seventeenth of May with us in our positions that we are now, and I think that's probably going to be the case, to be honest. Yeah, well, even that... if they carry the season on. Yeah. I think so. It's, they haven't been able to stop any of the deadlines so far. All the deadlines have hit, and the game week thirty-eight game week ends on the seventeenth of May. And I, 
to be honest, the fact that they haven't done anything yet to pause the season, which have been would have been the obvious thing to do four weeks ago. I can't think anything is going to happen before the 17th of May and the season will just finish there. I, I, I think it's a technical issue, yeah. as you said. If they uh, haven't been able to, if, if, right. if they haven't been able to stop the season now, how should they be able to add like 10 more game weeks mm. and reopen the game sometime later on? Really? Uh, I, I have a doubt. That, is that is that the um, is that why it's carrying on going? I did wonder that. I, yeah. I thought that was a why didn't they just pause it? But you think yeah, it's it a technical be, problem? Yeah, it can be the only reason because the the obvious thing was to do was was stop it immediately. We had that. Yeah, shutdown. of course you would. So, yeah, yeah. so stop you? it there, and then we play the other eight weeks or nine when weeks they, when they were arranged. Right? Exactly, yeah. but but we're just losing them week after week after week. And if unless they find some way in the next four weeks of being able to do that. It's just going to run out on the seventeenth of May. That's oh, that's when they must be able to do. That. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. I'm well, not technically so. minded, but come on. Yeah. Yeah, you'd like it's, to, it's, you'd it's like a... to think so, and I, I have to say, if I'd known that it was only going to be a 29 game week season, I'd certainly have used my free hit and bench. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think they've got the to sort is... it, haven't they? Because because the the big thing. I mean, I was asking more broadly about did you think the Premier League would resume or or end. Um, but I think because of the brand of the Premier League and the the size of it and the publicity and all that, you know, they they've done a lot of work themselves on social media to raise the profile. If it was the game had to end because of a technical issue, they can't figure out how to add on game weeks. Surely they'll just do an unprecedented like game week thirty nine, forty. 40 they'll have to just call it something else. If if yeah, they but, can, if they the, can, the, that's the thing. The thing. The thing is, uh, of course they can. It's, it's, of course uh, they can. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, they can. But the, the thing that makes me skeptical about them actually doing is, it, is uh, they've left the game pretty much untouched for several years now. And it's still like you have to wait for, what is it, an hour almost after the deadline to be able to check mm. your team again. So it's, they obviously haven't put money into the solution, not much at all. Oh, so you're saying so, like the, so the, I think the it's a money the issue. Game's built on, like the foundation of the game is just like yeah. cruddy, it's, like old, like an, like right. Okay. Yeah, and, and since and they're not course, willing, since they're not willing to stop the game, why would they bother to actually add yeah. game leaks and put the technical team and, back? And into the bottom line it? is, of course, it's a free game. I mean, if yeah. if we were paying for. 38 game weeks and we all paid a fee at the start of the season to be in it that's a different matter entirely because then they are almost on a bound to give us that competition but the fact it's a free to enter game they're really under no obligation to do it that's the thing and they can just Mm. throw their hands up i'm staying positive and i think they're i think they're gonna make it so football will be back and we will be able to play it so i'm gonna we're gonna leave it at that and then we'll we, fingers we, crossed james yeah, fingers we'll, crossed I'm I'll sure stay positive. that's what we're I don't all hoping actually for. believe it but yeah, like, yeah. that's what we're, we're all hoping for, all for hoping sure back, yeah, yeah. I just want to um, thank you guys for coming on, which may be the last podcast of the season. So thank you to Hortz and Jay for joining us today. Really appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for your inputs. It's been Thanks an for having us. Pleasure as always. Yeah, well, James, I want, James, I want to say thank you to you as well, since this may be this last podcast of the season and hence also your last podcast it could be right? yes yeah so if that's the case i just want to say a sincere th- sincere thank you to you for all the great content you made throughout the years and you have to be proud of yourself making this for a podcast just like a chat with friends uh, and now you have thousands of listeners all around the globe and uh, i've looked at the soundcloud statistics 
statistics and there's actually people listeners in so many different countries so uh you should be proud of yourself james and even though you you run the slack channel like a madman sometimes but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah very much so stefan i think that goes from all of us contributors that have been part of the podcast over the years it's been an absolutely amazing experience and it wouldn't have been the same without you jim oh, so hopefully you hopefully cry. you'll reconsider and carry on mate because uh, it's yeah. uh it's a fixture in my listening week, that's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's all in thought. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I really appreciate that, Stefan and Hortz. Yeah, great. It's uh, really nice to hear. And I also appreciate all the uh, feedback that we get each week. So thank you to the listeners as well. We'll see what happens. I, I may be back next year. I may not be. But if you have liked what you have heard today and like to support the podcast, please do so. Patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. We're not taking any money, so you can join and you can listen to the other interviews that we have i will be releasing some more interviews in the upcoming weeks just as more content um so if you want to check us out it's fplsurgery.com uh, find us on facebook soundcloud reddit twitter at fplsurgery and Holtz and jay where can people find you if they want to get hold of you guys sat in my house in stockport <laughs> <laughs> His his address is four nine four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still on I'm still on Twitter, and um, I guess during the lockdown I might be a bit more chatty, if you like, than I than I have been because uh, there's not that much to do, is there, when you're no. sat at home all day? So yeah. it's it's still at J Eggersdorf is the handle. Yeah, and they'll see that from the uh, the pod description as well. Uh, and Holtz? Well, uh, answering the same way as Jay, uh, probably stacking the shelves in the local Asda, doing night shift at the uh, moment. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, on Twitter, at FPL underscore Holtz. That's H-O-U-G-H-T-S. And Stefan? You won't find me because I'm social distancing from everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> and other than that, up the pod, James. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. We didn't even have to rush anyone for that one. Uh, Nice. Great pod. Thank you, guys. That was really Great enjoyable. One. I really enjoyed that. That was, was fun. That, that, was, was, yeah. that was just like a chat around, chat in the pub, even though we're all so, social distancing, just sitting <laughs> yeah. around the table, just chatting breeze. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Thank it's you. good. We don't have to worry about FPL, that's why. <laughs> yeah, you're, worry you're about not sweating. Yeah. <laughs> none, none of the yeah. complications. Yeah, my, my notes were only a page tonight. It was quite... <laughs> <laughs> that's, honestly, that's blown my mind, that um, theory you've got about the actual platform of the game, yeah, not being able be right, to figure mate. out how to do it. I just mm. not thought of that. Season is all but over, but what let... <clears throat> Choking. <clears throat> I'll be an outtake then. <laughs>